welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns, your host for today, and today is the 26th of November 2020. And with us, we have got Stephen Blunston. Hi, Stephen. Hiya, how's it going? Good, thank you. And great to have you uh, on the podcast today. So you've got an article coming out in uh, the January magazine of YPN. So, and you're going to be talking in in the article about how you have used social media uh, to help you in your property journey but uh, people can find out more about that then T- today is just a bit more about getting to know you who you are your journey and uh, and obviously the focus is around the mastermind journey as well that you've you've been on recently so do you want to just talk to us a bit about how you got into property and uh, where, where did it yeah. all start of course, that's fine. Um, so you definitely have to stop me if I if I uh, if I ramble on because I can definitely talk about this forever. I think. Um, but I think for for me, it started um, in about 2012. Um, I was currently uh, at the time I was in the military, um, and I'd kind of saved up a little bit of money and wanted to get somewhere for ourselves. Wanted to buy a property for ourselves. Um, and at the time in kind of 2012, where we were living in Birmingham city centre, there were a lot of properties on the market, a lot of an awful lot of repossessions, lots of city centre apartments um, that kind of were extremely cheap. But I think at the time, kind of nobody really, nobody really knew it, but people didn't really want to touch them with a with a barge pole. Um, and I guess we took what at the time felt like a big gamble, bought an apartment um, and for ourselves to live in, um, and it kind of just appeared to be very, very quickly, um, really growing capital growth over even kind of the first 12 months. And we thought, God, this is, this is brilliant. This is, this has been easy. Um, so we kind of got some more money together, quickly brought another, again, another repossession kind of, um, about 12 months later. Um, and again, that one did, that one did the same. And we thought, well, this is, we don't felt like we're onto something here at the time. We had no idea at all about property and we kind of just, you know, we lived in the first one. Then when we bought the second, we moved into the second, rented out the first. And um, we ended up doing that kind of three times. But when it came to the last property, um, the kind of market had started to stabilise. So obviously we'd kind of had, we were able to take advantage off the back end of the kind of last recession into kind of 2007, 2008, when you know, prices were just stagnant for a couple of years. Um, but then after- You were still after, working at this time? Yeah, I was in the military. Right still full-time I was in the military at this time and as I say I think we'd kind of it looking back now it felt like we'd just got really lucky with these first three properties they'd done extremely well in terms of capital growth they were virtually new apartments they're less than 10 years old um so we didn't have to do anything to them maybe a little bit of a lick of paint you know probably change the laminate or something um but then by the time we got to the last property the kind of the market had really started to stabilize and we thought, well, we've kind of ran out. We can't, we can't really go any further with this current strategy. Um, so for a few years, we're kind of toying with, you know, what, what do we do? Didn't really know, didn't know anything about property. Didn't really know anybody else in property. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of heard about HMOs and we'd looked at a, f- a few potential HMOs, but realised we hadn't, didn't really know what we were doing. And then for a few years between, I guess, kind of 2015, 2018, it just kind of work got in the way, family life got in the way and things just went a little, I guess, stagnant for us in terms of building our um, portfolio. Um, I just heard about HMOs, but to me, it's like most people don't 
just hear about HMOs. So did how how did that happen? I guess we'd started to um, started to look a little bit more about kind of property education and property training and I then became aware of PIN um, because one of Leanne, my partner's um, very good friends, Dan Norman, um, wow. he'd just taken on Birmingham Central PIN. Okay. Um, and we actually went to Dan's first um, host event at Birmingham Central PIN. And then kind of things really then, you know, the cogs started turning. Yeah. And I was thinking, right, this, you know, this is this could be the way that we're going to kind of really start to grow and go a bit further forward. So I, I kind of ended up, you know, through through a number of reasons, you know, with with my military career um, and kind of a young family, I realised, look, I can't, it's not really sustainable. Um, I need something at home and something that's kind of really going to be able to grow, um, you know, a, a lifestyle business for kind of me and my family. Um, so in early 2018, myself and Leanne, my wife, um, went on the Mastermind Accelerator for the weekend and... Um, I know it's kind of sounds a bit cheesy and sounds a bit cliche, but and I, I know as as you're very aware, it's just um, an absolutely incredible weekend. It is a life changing weekend, um, yeah. and I know it sounds really cliche and really cheesy, but it, 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 that's just what it was yeah. for us. It just it opened up our minds with regards yeah. to what was our, what what we could possibly do. I think that's it, isn't it? For if you've if you've not got any property background, any education, you haven't really gone into the the property world too much and then suddenly you go to this type of weekend where you just hear about all of these creative strategies that you you never knew that was possible and suddenly you, like you said that this the doors open to just lots of different avenues of of alternatives to the day job um and then you obviously see examples of people who have replaced their income people who've you know grown a portfolio through doing these strategies so um I obviously understand I've been through that myself so uh you know I think there's two different types of people somebody who grows up already knowing all of that environment maybe their uh their family are in property and they they just understand it from day one <laughs> and then there's other people who come come to these events through the corporate world um and they've just been, been an employee all their life and they actually they've never heard of these things so um okay so you did the weekend you thought, right, this is it. You signed up for the the full mastermind. Um, it's obviously a big investment, a big time commitment, but you you know, you, I guess you had your motivation, your reason why to uh, to to have more time. Yeah. So yeah, and go, go on. What was your so, um? What was your initial thoughts on starting out? Did you have any idea of your goals? Um, did you, or was that kind of did you work your way through that? Because a lot of people, their strategies just, they, there's so many different options, especially when you've done a weekend like that. You kind of like, yeah. Where do you start? It, it, it does like just, it is a crazy weekend and it is really difficult. I, I did find it a little challenging to gain clarity. Um, as I know a lot of people do after that weekend, you know, it kind of really is, um, um, you know, you just get kind of shiny penny syndrome and it can be a little challenging, I guess, to find your feet after that weekend just because it's gives you so much information but it's that's what it's also incredible for um and i think we had we were really fortunate with with how well we'd done in with our with the initial properties that we'd purchased and i think we we're probably a little bit naive thinking god it's going to be that easy again <laughs> <laughs> and, it couldn't have been. and and it 
it hasn't been easy. Um, I wish it wasn't that easy. Um, but, you know, there's, there's lots of ups and downs. But with regards to kind of mastermind, um, you know, we were quite fortunate that because of the capital growth that we'd had in the properties, we were able to refinance those. And that's then what helped right. us to fund the mastermind program. Um, so I kind of went into mastermind really head first, um, straight off the back of our accelerator weekend. And, you know, I was, I'm quite a committed person. And, you know, I guess if Simon tells you to do something, you know, I'd, I'd go out there and, and do it. Yeah. There was no questions asked um, because, you know, it is a lot of money. Um, but, you know, I think, I think um, some people's perceptions of property education is, you know, you, you, is that you, you pay a lot of money for it and then it's deals just come your way easily. It's mm-hmm. not like that at all. Obviously, you've got to go out and there work for them and, um and that's what that's kind of what, what I really tried my hardest to do. But yeah, certainly for the first few um, months of mastermind, you know, it was looking in every which way direction, trying to find what it is that you want to do in property um, and what strategy is going to get you there. And, so uh, how did you get that? Hard. Was it a case of you're all fired up, ready to go, looking at anything that comes across your desk? Or is it, right, this is my strategy. These are my criteria. How can I find this particular type of property. I would love to say that I was kind of really regimented in it and, and and I and I kind of said no to a lot of things but I didn't have for the first few months to say yes to everything or yes to looking at everything and that is kind of quite detrimental I think to where you're um to to the mastermind journey that you're on I think it can be quite deflating um you know because you're looking you're looking at every which every area in the country areas that you've got absolutely no idea about every different, you know, different strategies, whether it's rent to rent, HMOs, buy to lets, commercial to residential, um, you know, just anything. And and you're also kind of in awe at, um, I think, you know, lots of previous mastermind top performers and winners, you know, they're like almost kind of seem like, wow, you know, put them on a huge pedestal. It's like, God, these people have, have made it as, on, as I know you're kind of very aware. <laughs> there is uh there is an element of that to it i think it's just from where you start off when you see people who have made such incredible progress in short period of time it, you're still in that in that sense of disbelief like how have they done it and how can i do it and is it even possible and there's just um yeah there's a lot of emotion around around that year so what yeah. was your first deal then and how did you find it so I guess my first deal kind of came in um, towards halfway through my mastermind year. Um, yeah, so six months in. And I guess I, I, I kind of started analysing what previous mastermind top performers had done who were local to me. And um, I think it was um, uh, mother and daughter, um, Alison and Gemma else who who were on the year before me and I kind of thought well, what, what what is it that they've done that's worked for them because obviously being local to Birmingham found it really quite difficult to find any actual deals so I thought well what they've done is they've looked at kind of smaller market towns on the outskirts where you're not attracting London investors or out-of-town investors so that's that's kind of really what I started to, to do found a small market town quite close to where I live um, and the first properties that popped up on the map popped up on my google search well basically was my first deal um on, on mastermind 
it was basically a pair of um, Victorian terrace properties um, that were at the time being used as a children's day nursery. Oh, they'd, they'd just been finished. The nursery business had closed down, but their previous use was a children's day nursery. So there were basically um, two commercial properties. So you said Google, is this uh, right move they popped up on? Sorry, on right move, apologies. Yeah, on right move. They were the very first properties that popped up on, on right oh, move. Okay. And you looked at them and thought, uh, what was it about those, about the advert that made you think this is a deal rather than just scrolling through it? Um, I think it's the size and the lo and really importantly the location of the properties. Um, these particular properties were they're kind of literally less less than fifty meters away from the high street and less than two hundred meters away from um, quite a central train station. Um, and I think that that for me just it kind of just really highlighted themselves. And it was the space, you know, they're two big grand Victorian properties um, that are in a place that's kind of outside you know far, far enough outside of Birmingham to not really attract that much attention from out-of-town investors who wouldn't probably be looking in these areas. Okay well a lot of people think when they look at right move they think well I'm not going to look at right move because there can't be any deals there because if it there were if there was a deal someone else would have taken it before me and if it's still there there must be a problem with it therefore you know, yeah. I'm not even going to bother looking so um I think you've got you 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 need to find you everybody has got a different view of of and and it's all about it, it, perception and everybody's no 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 two people's perception of something is 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 exactly the same so you've got to just think a bit outside of the box with how with how something can be used um and to be honest i think what was put in the general you know a general investor off these two properties was that um it was buying two properties that were being sold as a pair. They weren't being sold individually. So there was quite a big asking price. And I yeah. think that kind of scared a few potential local investors away from it because they just thought, well, it's probably a bit too big for me. And in well, hindsight, <laughs> maybe that's how I should have felt. <laughs> you going to say, why didn't it scare you off? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I think uh, naivety at the time. <laughs> I think you know I'm imagining people who are listening thinking oh you must have had like a big pot of cash or you must have investors lined up um what made you think yeah this is I can do this I think it was um again that trust in the process that Simon teaches you and, and you know thinking and I guess kind of being in you know I I kind of I guess shadowed um some other mastermind top performers through some of their big conversions not too far from where I lived um, for my, through, throughout my year of, of mastermind. Um, and I guess they, you know, look, literally looking over their shoulder at every step of the way throughout the purchase of their property and then also the redevelopment and how, that, how they went about finding finance. So you just think, well, if, if they can do it, then, you know, why, why can't I? Um, so that kind of, I guess, gave me the confidence to, to go for something that was you know, I guess considerably bigger than the norm because um, it wasn't, I guess, our first deal or wasn't only just these two properties. Um, because actually when, when I first walked out of my first viewing of these two properties, I noticed that the third property on the end was also up for sale. Okay. With the same um, agent? Or? No, with a completely different agent. But what was kind of really confusing me is that although it had a for sale sign outside, there was no, it wasn't, showing on the right move on right move oh, okay um so i thought that's that's quite interesting because i'm 
by this time I'd kind of really started to focus on this really small area in this small market town where I invest and I realized that that for me is kind of a really a really key and important thing to really focus on a small area because when properties come up or potential deals come up they're really then easy to analyze and it's that whole kind of speed of implementation whereby if you can I guess you know be the first person there or put in the first offer then then it gives you an advantage so anyway this um came out of the viewing of this one and saw the property next door for sale um realized it wasn't anywhere on right move and it was basically just the estate agent had put in completely the wrong address and right. they were wondering why it wasn't getting any attention and we long story short we were able to secure that property as well um so we got the three in a row um halfway through my mastermind year but that's kind of then when the roller coaster journey really started after we'd had our first offer accepted on all three of them. Okay, so you had your offer accepted. Did you have proof of funds to send to the agent? Um, or did that was that a kind of scramble round to raise them? Uh, <laughs> a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything. So we were fortunate that at this time we just kind of spoke to our family members and okay. we'd kind of managed to think, well, we could probably just about pull enough together to raise enough funds for a deposit and then purchase them using um, short-term bridging finance that was that was always our intention with all three of them and, and then we thought well we'll worry about the development finance okay. later <laughs> yeah. and when you say uh, you, you know you use the short-term bridging finance was that did you have um, the decision in principle from them already and yeah. was it a cash offer that the agents were looking for or were they okay with so in, interestingly, these interesting these are the estate agents who had these two first properties on the market. Um, although they were commercial properties, it was a, re a local residential estate agent who had absolutely no idea what they were dealing with. Interesting. They were trying to sell them as residential properties, right. and then previous other other people were looking at them as if they were could just buy them with a residential mortgage. Right. and convert them and and unfortunately yeah. a number of sales had fell through for that so right. the residential estate agent really didn't know what they were doing and unfortunately that then caused quite a lot of frustration between um myself and the vendor um and the sale actually then fell through before we were able to complete right um and we had to completely well the sale fell through um and they then, a few months later, went up for auction. Uh, and that's then where we secured them at auction um, for quite considerably cheaper than, wow. than what our initial offer was. And what was their, what was their frustration? Or how, why did it fall through? The, the, problem, the challenges were, because it had been on the market for, um, I guess, on and off for about a year with two different residential estate agents. Um, I think the vendor didn't really understand. You know, she wasn't particularly a businesswoman. It, the business was more of a passion so she didn't understand the complexities of what she was possibly selling and the estate agents certainly didn't understand the complexities and um i believe the um lady was um at risk of having the properties repossessed right okay so we unfortunately we weren't able to meet her quite strict timelines you know right, okay. she was expecting us to be able to complete kind of two months after um her offer had been accepted and we were kind of saying that's that's not that's not really feasible because our offer was conditional based on us getting planning permission as well okay um so unfortunately kind of the relationship broke down but to your benefit 
because you you got them in the auction then so yeah we, we did really try our hardest to kind of offer an exchange with delayed completion um and we, we really did try and bend over backwards to really give this vendor kind of what they wanted um but i think you know kind of emotions were running high it was unfortunately a business that had gone into liquidation and um you know we tried everything that we could unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't it, it, it wasn't enough for the for the vendor so they um few months later they put them up for auction and we were able to secure them at auction for as i say for for, for fifty thousand pounds less than wow. what we were willing to pay what our offer actually was well sounds um like quite a roller coaster of emotions i can imagine from it it, it, it was it, it, it was yeah it was um and that's then actually when um crowd property stepped in um and 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 basically say hey look we can we can lend on this um and i believe we were then crown properties first auction purchase oh. uh, and then consequently became um one of crown properties case studies as well brilliant well uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so people can have a look <laughs> so you got the crowd property to uh to did they fund the 70% of the purchase price and then all of the development costs? So I believe it was um, kind of after after all fees and things, it kind of really works out closer to 65%. Right. So because it was an auction purchase and we needed to move quite quickly, basically we just used crowd property to, to assist with the purchase. Right. And then we, as I say, we kind of thought, well, let's let's worry about the development costs a little bit later down the line. We need to, because we only had 28 days to complete, you know, we had, it was let's worry about the purchase first and did they just recognize that this was a great deal because they could see it was below market value or did you have to prove the end gdv post um we um of course we had to prove the NGDV. um obviously that's part of kind of crown properties kind of strict um due diligence um so we had to prove that but um it wasn't difficult to prove to be honest I've already done the work i suppose before yeah we we i've done a lot of you know i had to spend um you know a couple of solid months on kind of i guess homework um doing this so obviously it was it was shattering when our initial offer had kind of been rejected um but then you know great when when they'd kind of came back and i think that's that kind of sums up your mastermind year as well doesn't it you know you you could almost spend so long working on these deals and then from one day to the next day can fall through but then like literally the next day that same deal can come back yeah that that is kind of your mastermind here really yeah it's hard to um not get attached when you've spent so much time in it yeah, it's hard not to be emotional yeah yeah um it's part of the learning so okay so you secured these uh these plots what did you what surprised you about the process that maybe you weren't anticipating or something you didn't see coming with with crowd property uh with anything of um no we're just with okay so i think um i think i think one thing that really did surprise me is um how estate agents can be so incompetent (laughs) yes i uh, think people people hold estate agents in really high regard yeah um particularly when it comes to how much how much value how how val- how estate agents value property well they're not investors are they i think that's what some people get confused about is that you know they 
they don't understand and I've dealt with many where they're saying well what's your what's your criteria and I remember one guy and he just wanted to know all of the he was independent wanted to know all of the um you know what ROI I was looking for and I said right okay here's my spreadsheet if anything meets this criteria let me know and he just replied and he said I, I don't understand anything I just yeah he just he was looking at it from they're just looking at it from a uh, residential yeah mainly aren't they rather than the investor yeah I mean I'm I, you know I, I certainly don't um high, necessarily hold myself in high regard with you know kind of the knowledge that I have in property by any stretch of the imagination I like to think I'm quite humble with all of that but I think it's it's really quite interesting then when you speak to kind of property owners and they say well the estate agent has told me that my, my property is worth this value and you're kind of thinking well they'll tell you what you want to hear because they want your business but ultimately a property is worth what what someone's willing to pay for it so that that was kind of a real big one of the real keys that I guess I kind of came out the back of this that's um you know you need to take what an estate agent told you with a, a very very big pinch of salt and as you said you know the whole point of this um this deal that you've been able to get on the two on the two houses and the third one is that they just made a mistake. So one of them made a mistake on the address. The other one's made, made a mistake in how they're actually advertising it and, yeah. and putting it out there. So A, you know, they're just human and errors can be made. And that's one thing to look out for on, you know, when you're doing your, your research on right move. Um, another one is they just don't understand that commercial property needs to be marketed in, in a certain way that's that's not to homeowners. Yeah, and also importantly, you know, you can't get a residential mortgage on a commercial yeah. property, which was one of the big key problems that they, and I was trying to explain this to them. And obviously, you know, I still don't know now all the, all the intricacies of that, but I was trying to explain that to them. And they're looking at me as if to say, I can't believe you're telling me this. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, I can't believe you don't know this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but ultimately the property should have been on advertised with a commercial agent. And I think that was, that was one of the key challenges with this, but kind of whilst, whilst all of this was happening, you know, as we'd kind of secured this, these two properties at auction, um, the kind of the third property on the end was also, you know, kind of a lot, a lot had happened around that property as well. Um, so that third property was, had been split into three flats some, some time ago. Um, it was a very, very horrible, stinky property as right. kind of Simon, Simon teaches us to go for the stinky properties. And this was, this definitely fell into that, fell oh, into that category. <laughs> yeah. De- that's the one, smell the money. It definitely fell into that category, 110%. And we... So we, um, the idea was we were going to purchase this using, um, again, bridging finance. Um, now, unfortunately, when it actually came to the valuation of the bridge, um, it was severely downvalued, even much further than what the agreed purchase price was, substantially further um, for a number of complications that, for a number of reasons that I, I won't go into now. Um, but basically what it meant was we had to, um, and I went to the vendor and I said, well, we've got two options. Either we um, renegotiate on the price, which I was very reluctant to do because I thought the agreed purchase price already was, was already fantastic. And he agreed. Um, I said, or, or we can, you know, potentially look to be a bit creative with how it's purchased. And his exact words to me were, well, if you could um, stagger the purchase of these properties over a, over a few diff- over a number of years, that would really help me out my capital gains tax and he was an accountant right um and as as you know when it comes to kind of 
purchase options they are like literally the magical words that, that you want to hear i thought god you've just like put this on the plate for me so in principle basically we we kind of agreed um a structured purchase lease option over a number of years because these these three flats that had already been title split oh okay um and we were basically going to we set up um an 18 month agreement whereby um i was basically going to exchange on one flat per financial year and then right at the end, complete on all three of them simultaneously. Um, what that basically meant was when we exchanged on each flat, he was liable at that point for his capital gains tax mm-hmm. um, payments. But then right at the end, I could purchase them um, simultaneously. And throughout the 18 months, I could most, more importantly, um, do the works on the property. Um, right. And then when I, pur- when I purchased them, purchased them at the low agreed asking price, but effectively remortgage them on the same day at the higher value. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we did. So to be honest, it's that was really quite a complicated yeah. thing that we set up because it was a mixture of exchange with delayed completion and option agreements. But ultimately we kind of secured or exchanged on one property per financial year over a three year financial period. It sounds more complicated than it actually is. So um, leases then, you exchanged on the lease, one lease each year and then and then the yep. freehold. Is... So we actually purchased the freehold right up front for a pound oh, okay. to give us give us a bit more to reduce the risk for us um, because you know you kind of taught not to spend you know a crazy amount of money on um, a purchase lease option property just in case something goes kind of drastically wrong. So what we did is we made sure the option agreements for these particular properties were kind of bulletproof really. Um, and we also decided to purchase the freehold right up front for a pound to just try to really give us as much security as possible because we knew we were going to have to spend, you know, kind of a, at least a hundred thousand pounds on on this one property on these three flats um, mm. to really kind of get to get them to where we wanted to. So where are you up to now with it then? So um, so um, so yeah, we we basically were able to put this agreement in place. Um, and once this agreement was in place, pretty much came in on these three flats, basically was at the same time when we'd complete, when we'd purchased these two neighboring properties at auction, but it was only like kind of a month apart from each other. So we basically got the keys to all three of them at a very similar time period. Um, and, um, we kind of had to go through planning permission, building control, um and kind of everything else because the the end goal for them basically was the two nursery properties they were going to be two large houses of multiple occupancy um and then the three flats on the end we were going to utilize those as serviced accommodation apartment block um and that's basically what what we've done now um it's not been easy yeah because of covid um but um we're kind of right at the back end of that now and kind of the development works and the refinance were finished over the last few months and and we're kind of up and running now okay and i know there's a lot of information there i think where to go with it but the the planning the process for for doing that how long did that take and because you bought them in auction so you you couldn't have bought them subject to planning then which was your original plan um so you've obviously had quite a lot of confidence that the planning would be approved did you have yeah, a backup so plan if it didn't work <laughs> i did i did an awful lot of due diligence on these properties spoke to the local planners in great detail and again these all these properties are in a conservation area as well so 
what what I actually did was I kind of scoured the planning portal um, to look for a local planning consultant who had had um, really good um, experience in the area of getting planning permissions approved. Um, so I spoke to this individual and told them, look, this is, this is what I'm wanting to do. And um, basically said, look, it shouldn't be a problem because the local authority just really want the, the front facades of the properties well kept. They don't, they're not, they don't really then mind kind of what you do internally or the use class of the properties. Right. Um, so that kind of gave me, you know, the confidence that I needed. You know, the conversation wasn't quite that straightforward, um, but it gave me the confidence that I needed to, to kind of really go through. And actually uh, the, the main planning application only kind of took seven weeks to be okay. approved. Um, but I think that was because of... Um, what we were, you know, really what we were going to be doing externally to these properties, you know, we were really kind of bringing them back up to their kind of former Victorian kind of charm, really, because we had three in a row um, and they're on, on one of the main drags from the train station to the town centre. Um, the local authority were, were really excited with what we were doing, so much so that they gave us um, a grant to do the works externally as well. Okay. Is that because they were empty? Um, it was because they were empty, but also um, this particular local authority have got a pot of money um, that they give to um, conservation areas every year, um, providing you meet a certain level of criteria with what you're wanting to do and I guess how dilapidated the properties are. Um, and we basically fell into that bracket. Um, although in the grand scheme of things, the, the amount of money that they gave to us was, I guess, a, a drop in the ocean compared to what we actually spent on the properties. Guess it was always nice to get something back from something back from the council. Absolutely. So then you uh, obviously the project itself. Where did you start with hiring? You know, uh, builders and. Oh, God, this is that's a podcast all in itself. I have to say. Um, so with so we had some real challenges um, with builders. If I'm completely honest, before works even started. So obviously we had three neighbouring, three-storey big properties. So it's kind of a total of about 450 metres squared that they all basically needed to go back to brick. Um, you know, a total of 13 HMO suite rooms and, and three apartments. Um, so we were kind of looking at, you know, kind of around the £300,000 mark of, of work. So we thought, well, we need, we need to tender this out to quite a big, a sizable company who's got, I guess experience and gives us confidence that they've got the ability to do this. Um, so for a few months we, between myself um, and my architect and a few other kind of consultants, we put together quite a large tender pack. Um, and we went out to, I think, 16 different build teams. Um, whittled it down to kind of three and then a final, a final build team. Um, and about two or three weeks before they were due to start this build team, kind of heavily analyzing their quotes and um the more and more I delved into it I was just like well I've just found lots of holes right um spoke to the build team and it turned out that that actually employed a third party to quantity surveyor to price for the job and that actually missed off a few pages of our tender pack oh right ouch and kind of, you know, this was a few months of, of real hardcore work that had gone into this whilst these properties were on short-term finance. And I was just kind of thinking, this can't, this cannot be happening. So I basically said, well, you know, you've got seven days to, to, to redo the price and come back to us. And it, it just pushed the price up, you know, astronomical. 
absolutely astronomical and it was already kind of really at the peak of what we wanted to spend um so this is where then where the power of the network came into it um kind of went back into the pin network and um there's a we're fortunate within pin that there's probably a handful of i guess construction project management type consultants such as martin rapley garfields um um, Chris Pierce and Dan Hilber and I think I spoke to pretty much every single person that I possibly could and said look what shall I do mm-hmm. um, and I then decided right um, providing I can I guess kind of hire one of these consultants um, I'm going to project manage it and site manage the development works myself because we, we're running out of time here mm-hmm. um, and I thought well I've got the time and I'm, I'm quite confident that um, that it's achievable should providing I kind of hire the right people to assist mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of really what what I then what I then did so um, with the assistance from uh, Chris Pierce another masterminder he basically I guess kind of held held my hand throughout the entire um, redevelopment of, of these three big properties from from I guess start to finish so that that was another huge learning yeah. experience um, but that was that was great it was um, it was good and you know kind of halfway through the works then kind of covid hit so there were a load of challenges around that uh, it slowed us down a little bit but in the grand scheme of things i guess it wasn't wasn't too bad um and then we finished in um in the summer of uh, of this year wow okay so you've had them uh remortgage now yeah so again that was um that was a, that the remortgaging obviously was a challenge as well um it kind of really couldn't have come at a worse time so um i think for me one of the biggest challenges that i personally had from this project hasn't necessarily been the works it's been worrying about the finance because you know we we borrowed quite a substantial chunk of private investor finance to really fund the development works for this for this project you know kind of in excess of you know kind of four hundred thousand pounds and that for me has caused me you know kind of no end of stress that's been my main priority focus so when it came to the um the the refinance you know we were kind of halfway through the first one when when covid hit um and it kind of caused all sorts of problems and unfortunately it meant that we weren't able to get the loan to value on on certainly the first property that we were expecting um being the three flats but that was already quite a quite a complex one because what we were effectively doing was getting a serviced accommodation mortgage on an option property whereby the lender was basically allowing us to purchase it at the low agreed purchase price, but on the same day, effectively remortgage it at the increased value. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Which lender was that? Hampshire, Tr- Hampshire Trust. Because that's, um, it's not usual practice, is it? No, it's not. So there's not many lenders who do it at all. Right. Um, and certainly not with the added complexities of service accommodation, with yeah. the, also the added complexity of um, we were basically in lockdown whilst lockdown, you know, version one when 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 this kind of happened. Um, fortunately, it, it had already been signed off before um, COVID hit. Um, and as I say, the only real thing that happened was that they uh, reduced our loan to value by 5%, which was less than ideal. Um but you know, it's one of those things, and you've just got to factor these. Um, what does that mean then? If it, they valued it less, did you have to raise extra finance, or did you already have the finance and it was renegotiating with the investors? 
So what, so what we've done is, as I say, we're quite fortunate that some of our first investors were family members um, and kind of we've spoke to them and fortunately some of them are quite keen, are quite happy. Well, none of our investors really wanted any of the funds back, to be honest. Um, some of them were really reluctant to have their money back. But what we've basically agreed with some of our family members is that we've basically looked to just extend their loan terms. And then fortunately, because the cash flow on these properties is, you know, is quite good, um, we're basically able to um, kind of pay them, pay them off over a period of time. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, it works for everybody then. Of course. Yeah, of course it is. It wasn't, wasn't planned. Um, and I guess we, we never really could have planned or foresaw right at the start that, hey, we weren't going to be able to get the loan to value that we we're expecting. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things. And then with regards to the, the two HMOs, two large HMOs, we're always looking for a commercial valuation um, on these properties. Um, and there were lots of to and fro with various potential lenders um, when it came to, you know, who do we use? Um, you know, lots of things had changed throughout COVID. You had lenders asking some real crazy questions, really deep diving into you and whether or not you took a bounce back loan or whether or not you took a mortgage repayment holiday or what you'd had for breakfast. Like some of them were asking some really crazy, crazy questions. Um, so you just had to navigate a complete minefield. Um, but we ended up going with Shawbrook on our two large HMOs. Um, and we actually got a valuation that was, um, to be honest, be- better than we could have imagined. That's really lucky. <laughs> at, at the loan to value that we were expecting. So right. I guess yeah. it, it kind right. of almost, right. the, the, across, the, across the block of three, it kind of almost kind of levelled out to, I guess, kind of what we were expecting anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, well, it sounds like it's been really, you know, you've managed to come out of it the other end. Um, <laughs> just about it's, it's been it's been a roller coaster but it's been um it's been worth it i guess it, it, it has yeah it's it's it kind of put us in a nice place and if i didn't know where what my goals were and where, what was aiming for before i certainly do now <laughs> it's funny how they just emerge from deals yeah. um so what's next then um so what's next so what i'm actually looking to do now is we're looking to really try to systemize a lot of our business um so we were kind of recently taken on a va um you know obviously we've got a lot of tenants now we've got um, a block of short-term accommodation that we're really kind of trying to capitalize on and really build um and i guess my main aim for the next few months is is purely to systemize everything you know make sure it's nicely up and running um and then look look for other things um so we are kind of keeping our options open with 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 what we're going to um I quite like the idea now of building up a nice little portfolio of traditional bytelets, yeah. nice, cheap and cheerful and simple, less stress. Yeah, but... Um, but, you know, we'll see what the next, what the next few months and next year brings. Cause um, I think at the moment still nobody, nobody really still knows just yet. So yeah. Take, see, play it, about, play it as it comes. Yeah. I'm sure you want to uh, just have a little bit of a break as well after all of that. <laughs> yeah definitely but you never know we, you know I've said that many times and then uh something comes up and you're like well you just can't turn it down so it's no I don't and I don't want to end up yeah. um you know kind of going back on my words to be honest but um yeah we, we keep we're keeping our options open yeah, absolutely so um great well where can people find out more about you and, and what you're up to follow your journey um so definitely the best place is Facebook um so my personal page um Stephen Blunston um I try to post quite regularly on there 
lots of videos, lots of content. Um, and yeah, just try to help people as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been really interesting hearing about your journey and the projects. And Thanks. And downs <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks right. for having me on. Thank you very much. And uh, for people who are not yet a subscriber of the magazine, please click the link in the show notes for your free first copy. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks very much. Bye, Stephen. See ya.